I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Chris Brown and today I want to talk to you about Madhouse from 1981. So, what happens when an Italian film crew travel over to America to film a big American picture? Not what they were hoping for, sadly, as Madhouse's director, Avidio G. Asatonis, is on record as saying that he was disappointed with his 1981 effort. But what were they doing? And how did this film, with its mix of US slasher, Italian giallo traits, become what it was? And how did it also end up on our video nasties list? Help me get out of here. We can start over. The two of us. Our party is just beginning. <laughs> you can't leave yet. <laughs> You're not still afraid of her after all these years? The stories you used to tell. They were not stories. And you're frightened. What of? On her birthday, she had this special ceremony. Soon it will be our birthday again. Remember? Remember how we used to celebrate? Sister dear. No. <gasps> I remember what I did? How it hurt? I will make it hurt again. I'll make you suffer what I've suffered yet. You'll never get away from me. What is it? I told you I should I told you. Now, what is it? What's happened? She tried. She tried to do what? What are you talking about? There was a dog in my apartment last night. Are you sure it wasn't a nightmare? Now, you know how you used to have them, those dreams about dogs attacking you, the way you'd wake up screaming. Sweetheart, the idea that your sister would sig her dog on your friends is a little bit off the wall. They keep acting like... like I'm seeing things, like I'm making it all up, like I'm crazy. Look, honey, do you think I'm crazy, Helen? There's a light on in the room.
Good boy. <laughs> there was a little girl, also known as Mad House in the UK, and When We Were Bad, is an Italian horror film directed by the Egyptian filmmaker Avijoji Asanitis. Asanitis is sort of a Roger Corman character, um, certainly in the 60s and 70s, shipping massive quantities of movies. He catered for the Southeast Asian market. Asanitis began an extensive distribution network company in the mid-1960s and in a 10-year period distributed more than 900 films with offices in places like Thailand and Hong Kong. In America, he's probably best known for producing Scent of a Woman, the Al Pacino film, and working on Piranha 2, James Cameron's big break. This was made during his producing period, really, working with companies such as the infamous American International Pictures. So, with this film, he was working as producer. The plan was to take a bit of Jalo magic and bring it over to the US. To try and do what Dario Gento was currently t- attempting over there with Suspiria, which was being successful in, Italy, in its native Italy and also in the US. And Inferno, which was a co-Italian and US production and also a film that is also on this nasty list and we'll talk about in coming weeks. It was an idea for a film that would breach the gap between American and and Italian and European audiences. It had a script which featured angry killer dogs and evil twin sister all too willing to murder and some strange and rather uncanny images of a teacher of deaf children uh, and the teacher seemingly being harangued by a bloodthirsty force. It looked, in those kind of terms, to kind of touch similar bases to uh, the slightly otherworldly and nightmarish uh, scenes which had been doing well from Europe that had been travelling over to the US. It could work. Um, they even had a great location. The film was filmed on location in Savannah, Georgia, in the notorious Coho House, which had a reputation for being haunted. But then, disaster struck. According to Asinitas, he had put his faith in a director of photography, who he refuses to name, but was let down. It was the director of photography's first uh, attempt at directing properly. And he didn't do it. Uh, it wasn't after ten days, and using a limited budget, using a cast of unknowns. Asanitas decided that he had to step in himself and direct the film. Now, this doesn't sound like a great idea, admittedly. A producer kind of stepping in it sounds like the kind of Hollywood hell kind of stories. But Asanitas did have form as a director. A movie from 1974 called Beyond the Door was a film about a woman possessed, which he'd made. Labelled by Roger Ebert as Scary Trash, which surely is perfect for what we're doing here then. It got into a bit of trouble for being a bit too close to The Exorcist, or being claimed to be anyway. Uh, Warner Brothers sued, but were unsuccessful. 
Also, all this fuss and uh, the appetite at the time for films that featured heavily with possession meant that the film made an incredibly large amount of money considering its limited budget and its Italian origin, raking in $40 million worldwide, a huge amount at that time for a horror film. But so, what of Madhouse? The film does have some touches of quality in its production. Most notably, a soundtrack from Riz Ottolini, uh, an expert in exploitation music. He provided, though, what sounds like offcuts from the film he'd done the year before, Cannibal Holocaust. Again, a notorious nasty that we'll speak of in, in coming weeks. Although he's known for films like Mondo Kane and Cannibal Holocaust and Last House on Dedham, uh, Last House, the House at the Edge of the Park, I should say. Um, he's also these days kind of had a bit of a renaissance, um, mainly through Tarantino and, uh, and his love for these kind of brand, the genre. Uh, his music's been featured in Kill Bill and most recently in Django Unchained. The story, as I've mentioned, was a heady mix. Julia, who's played by Trish Everly, who incidentally is in her only film role, is a young teacher for deaf children living in Savannah, Georgia. Julia has very grim memories of her childhood, which was scarred by um, a twin sister who was deeply sadistic. That's, and that twin sister is played by Alison Biggers. At the urging of her uncle, uh, Father James, Julia meets up with Mary, and who's now... Um, suffering from a terrible skin disease and is um, deeply troubled. Um, she's in a mental institution, seemingly on a ward on her own, but the meeting goes very poorly and Mary vows to make Julia suffer like she has suffered. As the uh, couple's uh, birthday approaches, the same birthday, Julia's friends and neighbours begin to die gruesome deaths or disappear. And seemingly there's a Rottweiler dog which has links back to Julia's past and, has a, and appears to have some form of connection with Mary. Mary seemingly escapes the health, the mental health institution. And uh, the question then arises. Is Mary really the killer, or is there somebody else out there? Now, the answer to that question, obviously, is no, she's not the killer. Otherwise, it becomes blatantly apparent that she is within the first ten minutes of the film. But there are some very unusual touches to the movie. Most notably, when our killer appears... Now, I'm going to warn you now, there is going to be some spoilers in this story, so uh, I'm, I apologise for that, but uh, to give you a better feel for what happens, and certainly to speak about the big shock uh, scene, I'm going to have to spoil it a little bit for you. So if you want to watch the film, I would recommend uh, you do before we continue. Um, the killer appears, and... Uh, Olatini seems to basically just desert the scene, allowing the shock just to play out quietly, without, with the exception of just a slight 
beating down. There isn't even really a, a good quality reaction shot from of the killer, of the victim, sorry, as when they discover what's going on. For for a period of time, the film, which is far more obsessed with like vicious dog attacks uh, than anything seemingly unsettling, you know, focusing more on gore than anything else, seems to kind of elevate itself while calming itself down. It touches, you know, in a sense, it touches on elements, you know, banality of evil, and we can marvel at our killer's deranged nature, and before the shock of the knife going in without actually spending too much time um you know with the with you know being shouted at effectively you know that you're not so much worrying about what's happening with the victim and more kind of marveling at the horrors as they unfold So the ideas play out like a jalo as you know the uh, the killer is shown it's a bit of a murder mystery at this stage you know it's 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 a random character you probably might not be expecting but the execution feels incredibly muted and i think that's a credit to the director in truth but i mean don't worry I mean, after all we are talking about you know the video nasties here and and it's explosion of quite cartoon violence which uh, which, you know, at the Zenith feature a scene featuring a Rottweiler and an electric drill, which, although obviously featuring a puppet being offed, uh, manages to, you know, still have an element of shock to it. I mean, it's a pretty gruesome moment, um, especially, you know, in such an animal-loving country as our own. Back in the UK, when this was released, the uh, well, an uncut was version was put was uh, published in uh, by the Medusa film label in January nineteen eighty three. Uh, ironically, it was a cut version, the R rated version, which features reduced impact. Um, I was mentioning that uh, Rottweiler and the drill that was edited out. So you don't, well, not edited out. You still see the drill going in, but you don't see the aftermath of that. It was that version which actually was the the one that pushed it onto the DPP's list of banned video nasties in November of 83. 
Now, stays on the list throughout the panic, so is one of our collectible uh, 39 all-in band films. Um, so, let's have a look at it today. Um, the film is past 18 uncut by the BBFC. Um, it was passed in two, uh, 2004 by a film company called Film 2000 D- uh, DVD. And um, the US release is uncut and unrated. So um, that's so you can see it now when it's all it's, it's very grisly, gory, uh, gory and glory, I should say. Um, so it's a film that with high ambitions that probably fails to meet them from what it wants to achieve. Although to be fair, the film still has some very nice touches. It gains its notoriety for being banned part of the video nasties, true. Which was a, probably a blow in terms of, you know, shifting copies over here, although, you know, good banning never helped try and shift copies of films elsewhere. But even sadder is the fact that, you know, it's unfairly compared to a different slasher film. Happy birthday to me. The films were both in production at the same time, but Madhouse was released later. And people tend to see that one first, and without spoiling the ending too much, um, two films have strong similarities with similarly, you know, quite provocative and, and, and unpleasant endings. Although, you know, seeing uh, you know the birthday parties in both are uh, although quite similar. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that you know you could take more of a look at Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which probably had more of an influence on the production than uh, what someone was doing at the time elsewhere. So, as mentioned before, um, Asanita says that it was the budget which meant that he was less pleased with the film. Which is fair enough. This certainly meant that the cast probably of unknowns were probably not fully up to snuff. Um, and some of the effects didn't work. I mean, you know, the big notorious nasty scene where a Rottweiler burst through a door, much like The Shining, effectively. Yapping away. And then is drilled in the head with a power drill. And then, is you know, it obviously looks like a puppet. Uh, I've got a feeling that the person that decided to put it on the list probably didn't think it was a puppet and decided instead that it was probably something a bit more sinister. And added it in that way, um, and um, and so that was kind of where it ended up. Uh, the effects work to a point. The Rottweiler attacks less so. Uh, you see a man's throat getting ripped out, which is not a great look, and also um, the uh, hand getting bitten off again, which, although very grisly, is uh, not as well put together as you'd hope really in truth um, what I would say is though that this is a you know a fun strange and unnerving horror film it is uh, it doesn't really know what it wants to be so I think it struggles I think that a lot of the reason for that is it's quite unusual soundtrack the, uh, the decision to kind of put the to kind of like mute stuff and also because Cannibal Holocaust has like a kind of 
and obviously we'll go into this a lot more detail close to time. Cannibal Holocaust has this kind of strange, muted kind of soundtracking, and you know, places quite uplifting. It's it's an unusual one, and it's because it's trying to rip off. Well, you know, the reason why it was picked is because the reason it was picked was because of the soundtrack element to it that he'd done for Mondo Kane and those documentary feels, and he kind of still gives that kind of slightly muted sound to a lot of the film which is strong but not great and uh, in terms of trying to you know, generate shock so it kind of like I think by modern standards again I mean we will say this a lot with a lot of slasher stuff it will feel quite slow but when it ramps up and gets going you know it's it, it does it does it does really go uh, you know um and, you know, in, you know, many ways, as we were talking about last week with Anthropopagus the Beast, um, it still has that kind, that similar kind of slow build stuff and then kind of exploding into quite extreme violence. Although what I would say is probably this is, in fact, despite the director's um, slight reservations about it, I would say this is probably a better put-together film than Anthropopagus, certainly. And in the end, you know, this it, there, that that scene with the drill and, and the Rottweiler is so breathtaking, it kind of does certainly bring, you know, kind of jars you and jolts you and gets you ready for the big reveal at the end about what's actually happening in the basement, a classic horror trope as it is. And... I quite like the stuff where she's teaching in deaf school where it really does bring down and slow down the story considerably. Um, I mean, it doesn't add much to the plot, but what it does add is a grimness and a a darkness to the tale, which I think really works. Uh, so, yeah, so certainly a lot to, lot, lot, lot to praise. And... Uh, I think maybe if the I, I wish the director would take another look at it and maybe he maybe he'd see some more of the benefits to what he's made. Okay, just um, a few bits and bobs. Um, thanks to the people who've been getting hold, touching me and, and speaking to me, it's been great. Um, mentioned a Grindhouse Dave, who's, who's kind of who's been very nice. Uh, he's there uh, and his and his beardy freak website. Also uh, at Deranged Duncan, um, who is uh, Chris Duncan, who is an American uh, fan of the video nasties and. Um, He's kind of followed us for the ride, which is great. Talking about uh, films that he's been watching and, and stuff like that. Uh, fan of Night Warner, which obviously 
surprisingly I always think that it's still not um, not on the Video Nasties uh, it's still one of the Video Nasties that's only available on VHS and no one's picked it up on um, or to put out on DVD or blow and uh, at TTK Kane which is a guy called Mark C who uh, also uh, t- tweeted in uh, and said hi and hello so hello to him oh and also um, I was saying this, it's been it's been great um, lots of people um, getting hold of me um, a guy called at Stephen V Turner as well also on, on Twitter who uh, who said who tweeted me to say hello and say you know and, and to, to talk about, about his own experiences which is fantastic it's really great if you've got any feedback you want to give any opinions on what, what I'm doing or indeed if you want to uh, send in any audio files what you think of the, of the films as we're going along that would be great Um my contact details are well you can first go to my website www.videonastiespodcast.com there's all our podcasts there and also trailers as as we go along I'll be uploading trailers I know the audio for Madhouse is on this uh, podcast already if you listen to but you can have a look and see it on all its uh, slightly gory glory Um, and there you can always leave a comment in the comments box or you can email me at video, well, video nasties podcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter which is at orange underscore monkey that's my private Twitter feed so it's uh, a little bit unusual but as I say plenty of people are getting in touch with me and I don't always just talk about video nasties but um, I will always get back to you pretty much straight away if you come and say hello so what's next week well next week we are talking about not one of the 39 but one that was on the on the list and then dropped off it's a film that fe- 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 features uh, William Shatner and is probably one of the more high-profile high films on the list in terms of being a big production, if not high-profile film in terms of being, um, well, any cuts, really, or certainly notoriously brilliant. It's okay. It's good fun. It's called Visiting Hours. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, never seen one. i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film